0: I don't know if you've ever thought about the word just and how we use the word just and what it really means when you say the word just. For example, your kids are in school and they really don't want to go to school. It's because what kid does, right? And, And they find out that dad's going fishing. And they want to go with dad. Dad says to mom, you know what, it's just one day just not really that big a deal, right? Or maybe you want to go on a family vacation and you want to cut out of school just a few days early and, and you know, it's just a couple of days of school. Family's going to, you know, you're gathering with your, your spouse's family uh, for a big family thing, you really don't want to go, you know, and you know, you know I'm not going to go it's just this one time, just not going to go today. You're... Uh, you have a, a coworker worker a member of the opposite sex, and they're having a hard time, and, and, and everything inside you says, man, I shouldn't be alone, this is, let's find someone else. But you just say, you know what, let's go to lunch and we'll talk about it. Just, just one lunch, just one time. And that's kind of how it all starts. And so we need to understand what just means. And what just means is this. Just means that it's really not all that important. That's what just means. It's just one day. It's just one time. It's just this. It's just that. It means it's not important. But it also undermines implications of, of the decisions we make. Because just kind of goes like this. Just is great when it's just one time. But you know we how we are, right? Just becomes twice. Twice becomes three times. Three times becomes a pattern. A pattern becomes a habit. And before you know it, you find yourself in a place you never thought you would be, wherever that place is and however you got there, and it all started because it just wasn't a big deal this one time. And what we need to understand is that there are implications to every decision we make. Good and bad. Pros and cons. I mean, it's sometimes we make decisions for the good and sometimes we make them for bad and when it comes to the church if you want to take care of your marriage if you want to take care of the relationships in your life we need to change our attitude about church I remember years and years ago when I was at CCF West Georgia and I I, I was walking through the parking lot before Bible study I'd gone out to get something from my car and this girl was walking out and I said hey is everything okay yeah somebody called She'd been in there for dinner, was getting her for Bible study, and I said, so what are you And She said, well, something better came up, and so I'm going to go. I mean, it's just Bible study. It's not that big a deal. Didn't see her for three more weeks after that. She'd been faithful before. You know, it's, it's been a couple weeks since we've been to church, but it's just church. It's not that big a deal. You're, you're plan- or maybe you're planning to be in church, and, and, you, and you, we're going to make a big deal, and someone gives you a call on Saturday night. Hey, let's go to the lake. Hey, that sounds better. Let's do that. Because it's just just this one time. Things pop up. It's been a long weekend. Saturday night, you, you get in late, 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 and you go, you know what? I just I'm just too tired to get up. It's just this one time. Which is why I'm just gonna give you up front. Um, I'm not proud to say this, but I do this. Um, There are occasions when my life circumstances require that we are out really late. It had not happened since we've been here. But there's many a times in the past 11 years we rolled into the house at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning on Saturday night because we weren't coming from Carrollton to see our kids. And I started telling people that. Not bragging that I was there, but you know what? If I can get up and be in the building two hours for everybody else, surely you can sleep two hours later and make it here, right? It's just my time to work the nursery. It's just my Sunday school. It's just my small group. It's just the high school ministry. It's just the middle school kids. It's just the elementary kids. It's just this. It's just that. After all, it's just church. It's it's just church. And if you really want to protect your marriage, you want to protect your relationship with your kids, you want to protect the relationships in your life, then we'll change our attitude about the church. And it's not going to be just church. Because here's what it means. Just church means that church is really not all that important. That's what it means. Every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock, I meet with our coaches at the high school. And I do a devotion. This year, I decided that I don't know if they're, they're in church or not. I know a couple are. I don't know about the rest of them. So you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat this like church for them. So they're at least going to go to church for a little bit. But just church, when you say it's just church, just this one time, just, this, just that, man, what we're saying is it's really not that big a deal. Which means if it's not a big deal that you're here, it means it's really not a big deal when you're not. I remember, this is years back in another place, and we were doing kind of what we're doing here. We were doing two services a week, one on Sunday and one on Wednesday, and, and there was someone who'd missed for a few weeks on Sunday because they had stuff coming up and, or just chose not to be there, and I said, I said, hey, you know, you can always come back on Wednesday, or you can always come on Wednesday. Well, Wednesday's not really church day. Sunday's church day. Okay. So what's going on? Well, you know, I had this, and we had that, and... I just didn't feel like coming. I got a little lazy, and but but Wednesday I can't come, but Sunday. And you know, here is what I know, and this is what I tell my kids, and this is what you've told your kids, and this is what you know, what your parents told you. If something's important to you, you'll make it a priority. If it's not, you won't. And when God's church is just church, it's not important to you, and it'll never be a priority in your life and so there's some advantages to that so what I want to do is ask you a question and we're going to explore this more next week and next week I know it's Labor Day and there'll probably be a lot of folks gone it might be me and 17 of my closest friends here next Sunday which is fun Uh, but we'll be here back the next Wednesday and we're going to talk about this in greater detail next week but I just want to kind of kind of kick the tires I want you to consider this I want you to imagine yourself 30 years down the road or 25 years down the road Okay, now some of you are going, I graduated to heaven, it's awesome and that's great. But just imagine parents, you've got young kids and you, you fast forward. And your children now have what we like to call the most awesome thing on the planet, grandchildren. And, they're not, and they're, your grandkids aren't in church. Because it's not really important to your kids that they're there. I want you to imagine how that conversation might go. Because if you're like me, my kids are grown-ups and I don't interfere in their lives, but I have told them repeatedly when it comes to your life and your faith, I won't interfere till I stop breathing. Because it's important. And when my granddaughter was born, it became ultra-important. And so imagine having this conversation with your grown kids who have kids of their own when you say to them... Don't you really think it's important that your kids are in church? What are you going to do when they say to you, I'm just doing what you taught me. I'm just doing it the way you did it. That's a tough, that's a tough lesson. And that's a lesson that we don't think about now. Much like when we're two people are standing in front of people and you say, yeah, I do, we don't think about the next five years or the next ten years. We don't think about those things but I'm telling you now, the decisions we make now can have ripple effects into the future. You can't make your kids do stuff when they're grown. But you can set a precedent for them to learn from you and, what, and value what's important. So today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 16, just briefly. Matthew 16 is an is event where Jesus uh, kind of launches the church and they were at this place called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi is that place that your mama told you you should never go to when you were a kid because it's dangerous. It's the wrong side of the tracks or whatever, however your parents said it. It's the wrong part of town. It's the wrong place to be. We don't, I mean, Caesarea Philippi was that place you just didn't go. In that culture, it was the center of pagan worship. And so Jesus took his disciples to the center of pagan worship. And he asked one question. Hey, um, what are people saying about me? You know, people are. people are talking about me, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, what are they? What are they saying about me? Who, who do they think I am? Well, you know, some of them think you're like John the Baptist and. And it's kind of weird since, you know, he's gone. And some people think you're Jeremiah or Elijah, or the, um, you know, one of the great prophets of old, Moses. You know, all, you know maybe I just imagine them naming all these great prophets. And, and, and so Jesus, I think he kind of let that go on for a while and says, oh, that's fine. But well, what about you guys? I mean, I've drug you to this place. Your mama told you not to come. And here we are potentially looking down in a valley, uh, which is literally the, this temple where pagan worship was. Uh, that's what historians think is where they were. What do you, who do you say I am? What, what do you think? And if you've been in church or been in vacation Bible school or anything else, you know Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of God. Now, what I believe, based on what Jesus says next, which we're going to read here, is he had no idea what he was talking about. But God revealed to him who he was. So Jesus says this, and this is the, the, the launching point for today. You are the Messiah, Simon Peter answered. You are the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. Verse seventeen. Jesus replied, "You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. In other words, you are not smart enough to figure this out on your own." Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, not Peter, but the the rock of who Jesus is, the Son of God. He is the Messiah, the fulfillment of prophecy, the one they've been looking for. Upon that rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So this thing we call just church sometimes was built on the name of, and the power, and the sacrifice, and the love of Jesus. Right? That's why we're here. That's why we're going to come back in a a few days and and do this all over again, because this is really important. Yet, sometimes, eh, it's just church. It's just really nothing. I mean, I can always go back. It's just not that big a deal. So here's a question. How can it be just church if Jesus gave his life for it and is built on who he is? How can this be just church when the foundation that we stand on is not concrete, but it is the blood and sacrifice of Jesus? You want to take care of your family? You want to have a great marriage? Change your attitude about God's church, and you will. You want your your kids to grow up and have their kids in church one day? Help them understand the importance of what this place is. And this is just a building. There will come a point in time we will not worship in this building. But we'll still worship. Because the church is not a building. The church is Jesus the Son of God, we are the bride of Christ. How can it be just church? How can it ever be just church? Paul says it this way in Ephesians. God's purpose in all this, this is the church, was to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let me tell you what Paul's saying. In the beginning, when God carried the heavens and the earth, His great idea for humanity was the church. God's plan all along for us was his church. Not our church, not my church. That's why you will hardly ever see me saying, unless it's a slip of the tongue, my church or our church. I always say God's church, his church, the church I attend. Because it's not mine, it's not ours, it's his. Right? I mean, it's his church. And so Paul tells us that God's great idea for humanity was the wisdom and love of Christ would be manifest from here out there. When you go to work, when you go to the ballpark, when you go gather with your family, wherever you are and whatever you, wherever you are, whatever you do, understanding you are an ambassador for the Son of God. You're a missionary. I tell people that all the time. It kind of wigs them out. You know, you're a missionary. Didn't have to. don't have to raise money or go to another country. And you will stop being a missionary when there are no more lost people. But until they were missionaries. And, and so, if I'm a missionary, if I'm an ambassador for Christ, man, I need, to, I need some foundation in my life where I can grow in my faith, where I can grow with other people, where I can lean into other people. Because you never know. You never know who's going to come out of that place where you serve. I'm going to tell you three stories. The first one is about a lady named Leslie. Uh, Leslie uh, and her husband didn't go to church. They had boys. They, they didn't go to church at all. The, her, her husband was, not only did he not go to church, he was antagonistic towards the church, skeptical of the church. And so one day a friend invited Leslie to go to church and Leslie decided to go just to get this friend off her back, because he just kept inviting, kept inviting, kept inviting. And that's the friend you want to be. You want to be the friend where you break someone down. I'll come if you'll just stop. That's the friend you want to be, right? That's the friend I want to be. And in a year, there's people that that now, when they see me coming, they know what's coming. Hey, you going to church? They know it's coming. Still not going? We're still here. And so her friend invited her. Leslie started going to church. Leslie started going to a small group. Leslie was baptizing the Christ. Leslie started praying for her husband and her boys. And so then she became the wife that every week, you going to church with me today? Nope. All right. Uh, next week you're going? Uh, we'll see. You going to church with me today? Nope. All uh, right. Next week. And over and over and over until finally one day her husband just said to shut her up and And, because this is how dudes roll, to show her that she's wasting her time, I'm going to go. And I'm going to prove to her that this is a waste of her time. So Leslie's husband, Lee, went to church with her. Lee worked for a newspaper. He was a really important person in, in, in his city. And Lee went to church and It wasn't so bad, and he went back again, and it wasn't so bad, he went back again, and finally, and eventually he went with them into a small group, and eventually he became a Christian, and eventually he left his job and became a minister, and Lee Strobel, who's written the book, The Case for Christ, is one of the most influential pastors in our country, is that because his wife drug him to church. Betsy was a poor, struggling mom, had seven kids. Dirt poor. They had nothing. They were so poor that her kids had to go work for other families to make money so they could eat. They had nothing. And people were really good to them. And, and so she taught her kids they should be grateful for what they had. And their kids were quick to say, we don't have anything. Says, well, you know, we got something. We're, we're eating a meal today. We've got that. We've got a place to sleep. We've got that. And one of the things that Betsy did was she drug her seven kids to church every week. Drug them to church every week. Now, you imagine a single mom dragging seven kids to church every week. Man, it's hard dragging one human being to church sometimes, right? Every week, week after week, week after month after month, year after year, they would go to church. And she had this little boy, his name was Dwight. And because she drugged this little boy to church over and over and over, Dwight L. Moody would start a, a, a Christian college in Chicago. And became one of the most influential pastors in our history. All because a mama drug her boy to church. James was a chemist. He's a part-time preacher. He had a wife whose name was Amelia. They faithfully served the Lord. They, you know, they worked and they preached. And, and like anybody else, they had kids. And, and, and they, their kids struggled. They had particularly their son. Their son was antagonistic to the church, wouldn't go. Rebelled against their, rebelled against their authority ran away from home. Now, most parents would be, be content that their child would come home, right? But they prayed for their son because they believed that God had great plans for him. Now, everybody says that about their kids. I believe I've said that about my kids for years and still believe that. They believed, but they believed that God had something special for their son. And they prayed and they prayed and they encouraged and they encouraged. And so finally, one day their son came home. And then one day their son went to church. And then then he went another day. Then he went another day. Then he went another day. Then he became a Christian. James and Amelia Taylor had a son named Hudson, and that name may not really mean anything to you, but Hudson Taylor became the great missionary to China. And honestly, Hudson Taylor changed the way missions are done, and still to this day, the way missions are done all around the world is being influenced by Hudson Taylor's life and the way that he ministered in China. What if Leslie Strobel would have said, That's yeah, just church the world doesn't get least trouble? What about all those students who've gone through Moody Bible Institute? What if Betsy would have said, hey, it's just church. What if James and Amelia would have just been content for their kid to come home and not cared about his life? Those three people Help change the world. Because they had parents who said, you know what? It's not just church. Or they had a spouse who said, it's not just church. It's important, it's a big deal. Now, they didn't know what was going to happen. Well, the Taylors might have suspected, right? But they didn't know. Man, do you imagine? the message you send to your children, the message you send to your friends, to your coworkers, when you refer to God's church, as just church. Because eh. that's what just means, that's my definition, eh. You know, if someone says what just means, I go, eh, that's what it means. Not that big a deal, eh. Folks, here's what I don't know, but here's what could be true. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God Maybe that child you're raising or that friend you need to bring to church. You have the potential to help change the world because you don't know what your kids are going to do. Your child, I mean, you think about this. Our kids might do something great for the kingdom of God. Your neighbor who needs to be in church might do something great for the kingdom of God. These people we invest our lives in on purpose, we do it because those people might have the potential to do something great. My contribution to God's kingdom might be in this place. And I'm just right, the right person at the right time and someone here in our church family, your, someone sitting here, your kid, someone who's not here yet, someone in our community might do something amazing and life-changing for the kingdom of God. Cannot, will not happen, If it's just church. If it's just church, just not that big a deal. And so here's the question. How do we make sure God's church, the church of Jesus Christ, built on the the love and sacrifice and blood of of Christ on the cross, how do we make sure that it never becomes just church? And we we talked about this last week. I told you it was coming back up, and here's the answer. You take care of you. You take care of you. So we looked at this last week in this relationship triangle, for lack of a better word. And and I want you to kind of consider this. And I want to revisit this with you again. And if you weren't here last week, then I'm going to visit with you for the first time. But the idea is that God is at the top of this triangle, and there's a husband and wife at the bottom, and, and there's all these relationships that are taking place. You've got your relationship with one another. You've got y'all's relationship with your kids if you have kids and grandkids and so forth and so on. So there's these collective relationship and individual relationships that are taking place. So uh, you have your family's relationship with God and your relationship with God. You cannot fix your spouse. You cannot fix your kids. I mean, you can fix them for a while, but after a while, they start fixing themselves, right? But you can fix you. You want to make sure God's church never becomes just Church? you make your life's mission to know God and grow closer to Him. The closer you get to God, and so you have a husband and a wife who are committed to growing closer to God, as they grow towards God, they grow closer together. I told you last week, this one thing has the potential to change your life, your family, the, the way you see ministry, the relationships in your life, your relationships with your kids. This is how God's church doesn't become just church. Because if he's that important to you, his church is going to be that important to you as well. One of my favorite stories, favorite stories, um, it's a true story, and you may have seen the movie Chariots of Fire. It kind of puts their creative twist on the story. Eric Liddell, 1924 Olympics, trained to run the 100 meter race, and that was his race, and he trained and trained and trained, and he was the golden boy. He was supposed to, he was favored to win the gold medal. And he refused to run because the race was going to be on Sunday. The race was going to be on Sunday. He just refused to run. Now, we know a lot of things happen on Sunday. And for some of us, we do stuff on Sunday all the time. It was really important to him. And this is 1924. And so the, the press, I mean, you imagine this happening in today's world. So the press that kind of, so he's the golden boy, man, they just started ripping him up one side. Little Tom passed a few days later, and someone pulled out of the 400-meter race. They needed someone. He stepped in, never trained for it, won a gold medal. Do you know where his desire to take care of what he called the Lord's Day You know where it came from? It came from his mom and dad who were missionaries who taught him that God's church was really, really important. And he did something that impacted the world. You never know what your kids are gonna do. They might do something great for God's kingdom. You never know about your neighbor. You bring the church. He or she might do something great for God's kingdom. This is what I know. If it's just church, it's probably not going to happen. Because if it's not important to you, it can never become important to them. I have seen wives, and it's usually wives, I have seen wives, because of their commitment to God's church, literally drag their husbands into church and save them. And I've seen a few husbands do the same thing. I've seen kids drag their Parents into church and save them this is what I know the decision that you make about the priority of church in your life has a potential to change the life of your family has the potential to change the life of the people in your path and will have shock waves that will vibrate into the future Your contribution to the kingdom of God may be the pebble that hits the water as the ripples go out. That might be your contribution. But in those ripples, there might be someone who's doing something great for God's kingdom. How will they ever do that if it's just church? Father, we are... Sometimes we get so caught up in our own stuff that we... We just treat the church like it belongs to us and we treat it like she's not important. Sometimes we don't stop and think about the fact that you gave your life in the person of Jesus on the cross for us. That blood was shed, a life was lost so that we could be your ambassadors on this planet so that we can influence our kids to know and love you, so they can influence their kids to know and love you, so we can influence the people in our life, our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, our family members to know and to love you. And maybe there's someone in our life who's gonna do something great and you're just waiting for us to do our part. Lord, if you, all you called us to do is be a pebble that hits the water, then that's okay. Because the ripples from that pedal will go for generations. Thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your church. May we take really good care of her as your ambassadors. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.